So, Father, thank you that you are good and you are great and you've captured our hearts with your unfailing love. And Father, this morning we just want to put our trust in you and our hope in you. And as we turn to your word, to the word of the Lord, we turn to the Lord of the word and we ask that you would open the eyes of our understanding. We ask that you would speak to us. We ask that the Holy Spirit would illuminate our minds and our understanding and stir our hearts, stir our hearts afresh as only you can to know you and to follow you. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. So if you have your outlines there, you want to pull out your, your outlines. The title of the message again is what the Bible, what the Bible can do for you. So you say, well, like, what is the Bible? Some people have never really thought that much about that. Like, what is it? It's a library of books. It's not a single book. It's a collection of books. It's actually 66 books. Think of that. 66 books written now over about 1,500 years by 40, about 40 different authors on three different continents telling one unified story there. There are many writers, but really one author, all ultimately authored by God, written by all kinds of different people. I mean, you have peasants and poets and prophets and prisoners. You have priests. You have fishermen and farmers, or you have military generals. You have shepherds and kings and cupbearers and all these different people that wrote the Bible there. So what we're going to do this morning is we're going to unpack one of the main purposes of the Bible for us here this morning. And the Bible tells us things that no one else would tell us. Tells us that God is is knowable. Tells us the origin of man. Think about it, that you're not, you didn't, you didn't come from some primordial goop there. You're not just like a, a collection of molecules suspended with absolutely no purpose. You're not just some cosmic chemical accident that happened one day. I mean, you really want to believe that. See, the Bible tells us we were put together by an all-knowing, all-wise God, and that he has a purpose for our lives. That God made me. That God himself chose me, and God, we were fashioned in our, in our mother's womb, and God has plans for us. So you have purpose. The Bible tells us the condition of humanity and why humanity is the way that it is, and why we are broken, and how we're separated from God. It makes us wise there. The Bible teaches us what is right in God's eyes, teaches us how to live, teaches us how to be the best version of you. Think of it, teaches you how to be better at life. Who wouldn't want that? The Bible illuminates our darkness, illuminates who we are, illuminates our minds here. It corrects us when we think wrong thoughts. When I think I can steal my neighbor blind because that's my truth of the day. And so, but the Bible tells us eternal, unchanging truth there. It equips us. It says it equips us for every work that God would, every good thing that God has for you. It'll, it'll, it'll equip you for that. And so our context here, 2 Timothy chapter 3 is this. Paul is preparing Timothy because he's going to die. He's in prison, and he's in the last chapter. This is the last message, the last lecture, the last words he's ever going to speak. And so it's getting down to the irreducible minimum, what Timothy must know here. So he says this in verse 14, if you want to look at the screens. He says, you must remain faithful to the things that you've been taught. Hum, think about that. You must remain faithful. Why would he tell him that? 
Could it be that it's a challenge sometimes to be faithful? Could it be that it's easy to sometimes you be well-meaning and well-intentioned, but you can drift into being not so faithful there? Could it be that he was facing pressure, that he could move into a space of not being faithful to the scriptures there? I think sometimes we can just drift a little bit there. So what a timely word. It can be a challenge to be faithful. And so it's crucial. I think it's crucial for every one of us here this morning to grab a hold of this, that you must remain faithful if you're a Christ follower. That means to stay rooted in. That means to continue in what you already know. Now, Timothy was in his 30s here, and so he knew a lot. He's a pastor there. But, he, but we live in a world, think about it, we live in a world where biblical values are not upheld. We live in a value in a world where you are tempted to devalue what culture devalues, devalues the Bible, devalues God, devalues spiritual things, because we have we have been living in an age where there's a, there's a systematic de-Christianizing of America. It is systematic. It is intentional. Trying to remove God from culture, remove faith from culture, trying to suppress that. So what a timely word for us here this morning that you must, in light of that, remain faithful. He's saying you've got to hold the line there. Be steadfast and be unwavering. So it's good to remind ourselves of this. And then Timothy, he had this background, it says here, if you want to look at the screens there, be faithful to your foundation. It says, remain faithful to the things you've been taught. So he's been taught the scripture. He had this incredible opportunity that he grew up in this kind of a home. Maybe some of you had that privilege, others of you did not. I didn't grow up in that home hearing anything about the Scripture, but but he did from the beginning of his life here. So he grew up with two powerhouses. His mom was a powerhouse, and his grandmother was a powerhouse. And I think there's a message there for us, too, because he enjoyed growing up in this household where he had a spiritual powerhouse of a mother and a spiritual powerhouse of a grandmother there. And I just want to say this to all the moms. I want to say this to all the grandmothers. That what they did in Timothy when he was a little child, means literally from, when he, from his, like his birth there, what they did in him is now coming to expression when he's in his 30s. Paul is recognizing the incredible influence that a mother had on her son. The incredible influence that a grandmother had on her grandson. This is awesome. My great concern is this, is that you as a mother or you as a grandmother would underestimate the incredible power that you have over your children. I have three sons, and they're not here today, so I can say this, but my wife has incredible power and influence over my three sons. The things she says to them influences them so much. And here's Timothy. He's saying that he was marked by his mother and marked by his grandmother here. And so I just want to encourage you to keep doing what you're doing and keep leveraging your opportunity to influence them. Because though you get frustrated and you see them in school or in teenagers or college and you get so frustrated, here later on when he's in his 30s, they're seeing the incredible influence upon his life here. 
And so grandmothers recognize the power God's given you to be a godly influence. And mothers recognize the incredible opportunity God's given you to influence your children. So if we look at now verse 15, it says this, And you've been taught, how did they influence him? This is it. You've been taught the Holy Scriptures from childhood. They've been given to you wisdom to receive the salvation that comes by trusting in Christ Jesus. So Timothy now, he experienced being taught the Scriptures, had the Scriptures spoken over him, having the influence of the Scripture his whole life there. And so they instilled uh, a reverence and uh, a respect for the Scriptures there. They studied the Scriptures. He heard the Scriptures. And so all that to say this, all the parents here, Keep dripping it in. Don't go by what you see or how they act. Just let your influence, your words, keep, keep sprinkling it in. Because you just don't know down the road, like with Timothy, when they're adults, they'll point back to the teaching, your influence that you had upon them. And so I think of uh, my, my wife's mother, who's a godly woman. She's such a godly woman. And I see the godly influence that she had upon my wife since she was young. I met my wife uh, when she was about 19, and uh, no younger than that, about 18. And so uh, she had such a gr- godly influence on her that the first time we, we went on a date and we prayed, she started quoting scriptures. And then I realized she heard those scriptures from her mother. Her mother had spoken the same scriptures that she was speaking when we were, on our first time that we had a date at church together, that, uh, that she, was, she was praying those scriptures. And then I would hear later how her mother would speak over her life and the influence that she had upon her. And now I see the godly influence upon her grandsons. So I just want to encourage you mothers and grandmothers to leverage your opportunity. So all scripture, watch, inspired by God. And it's useful. All the scripture, what an audacious statement to make. Think about this, that the Bible makes this claim for itself that all scripture is inspired by God. All the genealogies, all the prayers, all the promises, all the parables, all the benedictions there, all the prophetic, all the gospels, all all of it inspired by God. What a sweeping, epic statement there. Saying this, watch. It's so awesome. All scripture has been brought into existence by the very breath of God. All scripture is literally breathed by God. Sitting there in your seat there, you're inhaling and you're exhaling. Okay, so just go with me. Just go with me here. So breathe in, and then I just want on the count of three, let out a good exhale, okay? Not on your neighbor, but just let it out. Okay, one, two, three, exhale. So that's what the Bible says, that God then, he is exhaling, and the exhale results in the scripture. All scripture originates from the breath of God there. All Scripture exists, watch, it all exists because it is God-breathed here. All Scripture is filled, watch, filled with the breath of God. So when you're reading it, you're reading that which is filled with God's breath. So you have then in the Scriptures, you have a message which comes from heaven. You have a message, a Bible which is supernatural. It is the writing of God, It is the writing of God. Scripture then, it's God speaking. The Bible is God's voice 
recorded on paper. It is God's mind there revealed. So in your notes there, in your notes, you want to you fill in the notes for extra credit. The Bible, and get a gold, gold uh, star in your crown in heaven if you take notes here and pay attention. The Bible is, God, is the voice of God. The Bible is the voice of God. To hear the scriptures that we read this morning is to hear God himself. They are, watch, the Bible is the sovereign exhaling of a holy God. It's God exhaling. That is the scripture. See, the words speak to us directly. They penetrate our hearts. They challenge us. Uh, they speak to our situations. They speak to every aspect of life. And we've, we have it in America, we have the privilege of having uh, a couple hundred years of some of the greatest writings ever to be penned in his, Christian writings, ever to be penned in history. I would draw your attention to Pilgrim's Progress by John Bunyan. What an incredible, what an incredible good book. But God did not breathe on Pilgrim's Progress. And then you have books like, I love Jesus Calling, and I read that. And this is awesome, and I'd encourage you to get a copy. Great author, great inspiring, written as if Jesus is speaking to you. But God did not breathe upon Jesus Calling. Some of you have read Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Classic book. But God did not breathe on mere Christianity. A.W. Tozer, The Pursuit of God, amazing, great, godly man. But God didn't breathe upon The Pursuit of God by A.W. Tozer. The only book God ever breathed upon is the scriptures there. And so it says in 2 Peter chapter 1, it says this, if you want to look at the screens. For no prophecy was ever produced by the will of man, but this is how the Bible came into being. But men spoke from God as they were carried by the Holy Spirit. They were carried along. So watch. This is what happens. This is how you get your Bible. Okay? God took normal men, normal circumstances from all over the world there and breathed his word into them, and it was written down there. Jeremiah said it this way. He said, thy words, okay, God said, the Lord said, thy words I have put into your mouth. And then he just wrote those words out. God's words in the mouth of mere man recorded on paper. That's where it came from. Different places, different times, different people, different circumstances, different situations. But God was at work in every situation, exhaling his breath through them. That's how we get the scripture. So when you pick up your Bible, you're not picking up the words of men, but the words of Almighty God. So what are the implications then? What difference does it make in your life then? Well, look on the screens here. It says this is what the Bible does for you. It's useful to teach you what is true. How timely is that in a culture that you just decide every day what your truth is? This says what is really true. What is absolute supreme source of truth here? Unchanging truth. What's true about God? What's true about you? What's true about man? What's true about the world that we live in? It's beneficial to teach me what I need to know about life, what I need to know about what you need to know about being a wife, being a mom, being a husband, being a father, being a widow, being single, 
how to handle your finances, how to treat people, how to forgive, teaches you uh, how to please God. See, the Bible will teach you like who you are as a person before God, who Jesus is, why Jesus came. It will teach you and teach you what you need to know. So in your notes there, and how important is this? Because life doesn't come with instructions. So in your notes, the Bible teaches you. How simple is that? God gives you direction. God knows the path that you should walk on. It teaches you so you'll know how to navigate life. God doesn't just leave us in the dark trying to figure it out, floundering, grasping, groping for how to live life. No, it teaches you. The Bible helps us navigate the incredible complexity of this life. Helps you navigate relationships, navigate parenting, navigate finances, navigate your faith. The Bible teaches you. It also says in verse 16, says it corrects us when we're wrong. God shows you the path that you should be on. It tells you how to be right with God. It corrects you. Think about that. God is an incredibly loving God, but God is also a correcting God. God corrects you when you're down a path that is damaging and is going to hurt you. So God will correct you. When, you, when my choices are off, when I'm doing something that is damaging, God will correct you. I remember one time when I completely, uh, I had a roommate named Frank, and I completely lost my temper with him to the, to the degree that I, that I really wanted to take him out. I really wanted to take him out. Uh, I mean, I physically wanted to take him out. I was so upset with him. He was a recovering alcoholic, and the expressions of his life of being a recovering alcoholic were in my face every day because I lived with him. And so this one time, I just I was really, I, I just wanted to take him out. I, I, I thought to myself, I just want to punch this guy and just knock him out. And so, uh, uh, but what the Bible did for me, it corrected me. It corrected me, and it showed me that I was wrong, showed me my attitude and my, my, uh, my, my heart towards him, and caused me to, to want to uh, be right, to be right before God and to be right before him. So after I stormed off and went to my room and uh, was just full of, of, of anger toward him, I felt like God, you know, used, used the scripture and began to, to just uh, make it real to me how I had been. So I went back to him and I asked for his forgiveness and I asked and I apologized to him. And our relationship since then, this, this was uh, over 20 years ago, but our relationship has been great and we are, we are very good friends to this day. But it could have gone, I could have lost a friend and ended up in jail had I acted on my feelings. But the bottom line is this, it corrects us. The scripture is there to correct you. And so the Bible shows you in your notes there uh, when you're wrong. Like it showed me when I was wrong. It will set you straight. It'll set you back on the right path there. And so it'll press against you. The Bible will press against you. It will pull on you when you're, when you're off, when you're off in your attitudes, when you're, when you're out of alignment there. The Bible will correct you. When you're, when you're immature and you need maturity, it will correct you. When you're in darkness and you need the light of the Scripture, it will correct you. When you begin to fall into patterns of behavior, addictions there, okay, it will give you, bring freedom. God will correct you. In your notes there, the Bible corrects 
your failures, like what? Like your pride, like me with my, my anger there, your lust, your, your greed, your, your speech, your selfishness. See, it will correct you here, corrects us. And now verse 17. It says, And God uses it, that is the Scripture, to prepare and to equip his people to do every good work. And so the purpose of the Bible then, it helps you to live out your purpose. How awesome is that? It helps you to live out your purpose. And so when you begin to know the scriptures and live out the truth of the scriptures and follow the light of the scriptures there, when the scripture begins to get inside you, when it takes kind of a rest stop and begins to transform you, it equips you for what God has called you to do there. So how great is that? And what an encouragement to be people of the book there. And so it'll change you, the real you. Not the Instagram version of you. Not the, that was funny, and I don't care what you think. And so not the I never struggle with anything version of you. Not the I'm the best whatever on the earth version. No, the real you. It will equip and transform the real you. But the bottom line is this. The scripture has to get inside of you. And how does it get inside of you? In your notes, the Bible will transform us, not simply inform us. We are, we are here this morning not just to be informed, not just to be educated, not just to be inspired, but to be transformed. And so uh, it changes our hearts. It doesn't just change our heads there. It's not just something that we believe, but something that comes to expression in our behavior and the totality of our lives there. So I have a few scriptures for you that I want to give you, and then I want to wrap this up with some, some application and encouragement. The Bible says in James chapter 1, verse 22, it says, don't just merely listen to the word, which that's what we're doing today, and so deceive yourselves, but do what it says. And so the idea here is that you can come to church, and you can listen, and you can uh, be engaged, and you can fill in the blanks, and you can uh, 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 be totally into it in your listening, but then leave here as if nothing happened. And so what the Bible is saying is that, look, the implication is there's a whole lot of people in church this morning that are deceiving themselves is what James is saying. A whole lot of people all across America and the world, they're deceiving themselves. And how are they deceiving themselves? They're deceiving because they listen. Oh, that's good. That's right, preacher. Amen. Yeah, yeah that's good. Hey, did you hear what he said? And, uh, and listening to the podcast and the blogs and reading uh, and hearing... Okay, but then there's a disconnect, a disconnect between the hearing and the doing. And if you hear and you don't, and you're not about doing, it says that the diagnosis is from God, you're deceived. And the implication is, is that many people actually get deceived because they think in hearing that God is like, yeah, right on, that's awesome. But you got to take it to the next step of after you hear, asking, well, what am I supposed to do with it? The goal is this. The goal really is that, we would hear and take the Bible seriously, take it seriously, and then do what it says. And so becoming a, a, a doer 
of what it says is something that is progressive in the Christian life there. It's a natural progression. And so as you grow, you want to be more about just doing what it says and being what it says there. Where your beliefs then become behavior. This is not in your head, but gets into your heart. So how then do you become a doer of the word and not deceiving yourselves? Well, one way is to do this is obviously to read the Bible, to read the Bible, just to find little, find times to read the Bible. And so when I read the Bible, I don't do volume reading. I might read a few chapters, but, but I try to read slow. I read real slow. And, I, and I, I almost always have a pen in my hand, and I read slowly, and I, and I, and I try to interact with it. Try to interact with it and, and, and keep asking the question, God, what are, you, what, are you, what are you saying to me? What are you saying to me? I'm not, I'm not um, just reading it for information or reading it for messages. I'm reading it as like, God, what are you, what are you saying for me? And then when, I feel, then when I sense something, this is what I do. I'll, I'll, write, I'll even write the date in the Bible. I'll put the date there, and I'll write what, what I'm sensing. I'll write right on the margins. I'll write what I'm sensing there. And so... God. And what is so great then is you can look back and you can see where throughout your Bible you can see all the dates there where you sense that God was speaking to you. And so uh, God will meet you. The Bible says in Hebrews chapter 4, the word of God is living and active, sharper than any two-edged sword. In other words, to be living and active means it's not static. It's dynamic. It's alive there. It, it will change you. It will meet you. It will speak to you. It will chisel off rough edges. It will lift you up. Uh, you will hear God's voice. It's alive and it's active. And so you never graduate from that. You never move on from that. And so keep going back to it. It will build life within you. It will begin to shape your life and shape how you think and how you react and how you act there. And so it penetrates, it says, to the very deepest parts of our being. It goes, watch. It will go where only God can go. It will reach into the depths of your being that only God could go there. It penetrates to the deepest parts. And so, uh, so in in taking these steps and moving in this direction, another practical encouragement that I want to give you is this, is have a Bible that is contemporary that you can understand, that you can understand. And so some of us grew up with the old King James or the new King James, and that was awesome for its day, and some people still love that. But I would encourage you to get a contemporary version that you can understand. We often read here, we read this morning from the NLT, the New Living Translation. Uh, The NIV is a popular translation. The ESV is also. The message is is a bit wordy, but it's very very easy to understand the message Bible. But um, I personally lean to the NLT there. But, uh, But just read it and read it slowly, something that you can understand there. And then as you're reading, wrestle through it. Pray through it. Ask what it's, what it's speaking to you. And so you can, everyone can do this. Uh, it doesn't matter if you have a third grade education. Everyone can do this. You have five PhDs. Everyone can do this here. And so you listen, you read a little bit, and then see how uh, you would apply that. And at this church, we work very hard. We work really, really hard to have Bible studies for you. The women's Bible study on, on, on uh, twice a week. We have men's Bible studies 
five or six throughout the week. We have student uh, opportunities to hear the scriptures three times a week, Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night. And so uh, we have Rooted, we're rolling out again in, um, in um, January. So we, we have all of these opportunities during the week so that you can interact and, and engage the scriptures there. The last thing that I want to say is this, is that there are Bible apps out there. Some of these are awesome. That they, they're just, they rock. They're amazing Bible apps. And so you may have heard of Version. They're Uversion, uh, and that's a free Bible app. And so it's a great, it's a, a Bible a reading app. There's a new one that I want to draw to your attention. I want to draw to your attention, encourage you to take a look at this. And this is called Dwell. And this is a scripture listening app, a scripture listening app. And so, and it aims to help to cultivate within people the habit of listening to the scriptures. And so the most important book in history. So if you do this, it will deepen your relationship with God. You say, oh, well, I'm so busy. Yeah, but you have to drive somewhere. You have times where you, you, you can listen there. And so just a little bit about this app here. And so super cool app. It comes in four distinct professional voices. It's got, it's got um, Felix. Felix's voice is uh, uh, Gregory, Mark, and Rosie. It's got music you can put into the background. So you can customize the app. Customize the voice. Customize. I mean, you'll be ready to punch the devil in the mouth after about five minutes of listening to this. It is just awesome. And so, uh, but it's available to you. There's a small charge. It's like a few bucks a month there. But I really like to encourage you to check that out. The Dwell app there. It'll help you to grow and to become everything that we talked about this morning. So would you stand to your feet? Father, we want to lift you, lift your name. We thank you. Thank you, Spirit of the living God. Thank you, Jesus. We praise you. We thank you for your word. Thank you that it's inspired and breathed uh, the holy outbreathings of God, the exhale of God. Father, I pray that you'd work and just stir within us a hunger and a, and a desire to know you. Stir our hearts and renew us and captivate us. We just thank you, Lord, for the opportunity that we have that you've given us the great gift of the scriptures. In Jesus' name, amen.